0: CHAPTER Seven OF MAN AND NATURE ON THE BROADS BY ARTHUR HENRY PATTERSON THIS LIBRIVOX RECORDING IS IN THE PUBLIC DOMAIN JULY IN BROADLAND Glide gently, thus forever glide, O BURE, THAT ANGLERS ALL MAY SEE, AS LOVELY VISIONS BY THY SIDE, AS NOW, FAIR RIVER, COME TO ME amid a blaze of colouring and beaming with sunshine july makes its advent in the land of the broads a thousand forms of insect life hum and drone its praises as they dance and flirt in the sunlight a legion of wild flowers open their petals and welcome its warm kisses in town and city the heat has become oppressive and hosts of holidaymakers crowd down to the seashore and the country in quest of rest and health we too would banish a while the worries and cares of town life and take a longed-for respite from them broadland with its quiet waterways and quieter lagoons is to us far preferable to the more animated resorts where even in their hard-earned leisure each yet jostles against the shoulders of his fellow give us the silent flowing river and the silvery lake where the ripple laps soothing music around the white winged vessel and the tall reeds rustle and sow as the playful winds sway them to and fro our friend the artist is still at work on the broads with brush and palette indeed so busy is he that he has banished himself awhile from society and in his quaint noah's ark of a houseboat is living afloat taking his house as the snail takes his wherever he may feel disposed for the time to settle gladly have we agreed to spend a day or two with him. Our old acquaintance, the wherryman, most fortunately is about to loose the Topsy from her picturesque moorings near the old North Tower, taking advantage of the early flood. He has recently brought down a cargo of oak billet, timbers in three or four lengths of the more slender bows, which are useless for sawing into boards. These lie piled upon the quay in a distorted stack. A couple of Guernsey-coated fellows are busily loading a barrow cart from it, their destination being a fish curing house. That billet, in the autumn, will give out volumes of dense smoke beneath thousands of North Sea herrings, turning, with its pungent qualities, silvery fishes into delightful titbits for the breakfast table and into bags of gold for those who cure them. In its place, the topsy has now a generally assorted cargo. Merrily clinks the winch, as the enormous brown sail slowly expands itself, and the gaff is run well up the great mast. "'Let her go!' shouts the skipper to his mate, who lets her go, loosing her by a dexterous jerk of the rope which lifts its eye clear of the mooring stump this is pulled aboard and stowed away as soon as we clear the surrounding buildings we catch the breeze and away like a thing of life the topsy glides cutting the water as a ploughshare slides through the crumbling earth it is blowing a fair wind today, day and right quickly we pass the objects on the river banks Sleek kine stare wonderingly at us from beside gnarly timbered stiles. Here and there a marshman's cottage and its surrounding alders looms into view, and then a drainage mill. Tree and twenty mile, boar. And take us long to do to-day if the wind holds good, says the skipper. So tis Stalham you're bound for. Well. That were lucky as I happened to be gone there too. What a rummin' your painter friend is! I never seed a feller rub on the colours same as he do so quick too. Why afore he ha run his brush over half a dozen times, you seem to know the werry place as is comin'. Here's a picture as he done t'other day and gimme. There's his houseboat with the chimney front on it is is old tyke barber's yawl with his eel set aboard it again her bows is a gun punt in course that's me a sittin in the boat how natural them reeds of frontin' us look don't they some are growin straight others are leanin and them broken ones look as real as they wore. Bo, how I laughed one day as he wore a skitchin' on a rond He'd just finished his pitcher and gone aboard for suffin', leaving it on the sticks. An old cow as were munchin' close agin it, walked up and took a boss at it. She seed the grass and sich like, and a likeness of a small brown calf. What did she do, bore, but begin lickin it? Thinkin no doubt as how that war one Your friend come out savage enough and shied a bucket at her You would have laughed I did to see the old hussy hang up her tail and dance across the rond, Like as if she enjoyed the fun, too The wind meanwhile has been increasing Our craft has all the sail she can carry our leeward plankway is under water. A sudden squall, a regular Roger, for which our men are prepared, strikes us, and heavy rain drops down from an overcast sky. Some yachtsmen ahead are not so fortunate. They have run aground. They hail us as we pass them, but we are going too rapidly to be able to give them a helping hand now a bridge rises up ahead of us with a single low arch stand by the winch jem now lower my hearty and let her go down rattles the great tanned wing the peril is taken off and the jaws of the gaff moved aside jem now casts off the fall of the forestay tackle from the cleat on the block balanced so well that a child could sway it in its tabernacle the great mast sinks slowly down as the ton and a quarter of lead on its heel rises into view the skipper's hand is on the tiller and with his keen blue eye he judges to an inch his bearings straight through the arch like an arrow the good vessel shoots with barely a foot to spare above head so nicely, too, has the time been judged that our mast has but reached its level when our bows have entered the archway. No sooner is our helm clear than the mast is raised and the sail is up and we are on again as fast as ever. Indeed, we've scarcely lost way at all. Pass we babbers on their way to some favourite babbing ground for the night's fishing on past mills and houses between long thin beds of reeds and sedges each turn in the river bringing to view fresh aspects and presently we find ourselves nearing our destination a passenger boat crowded with excursionists goes by us its screw throbbing and churning up the dark waters leaving in its wake a great curling swell that licks the crumbling bank on either side and follows the boat in its progress these excursion boats are doing immense damage to our river banks we are not left standing long at the village staithe ere our artist friend rose up in his little dinghy stepping gingerly in we are very soon on our way to his floating domicile. The wind has lulled considerably, and the rain has ceased to fall. All around looks fresh and beautiful, and the setting sun, as if loath to leave the world without a parting smile, paints the west with a glow of red and golden. A swan comes fussily up, ruffling his snow-white plumage, and threatens us with every mischief, only he fails to keep his promise. His mate, with a brood of dark downy signets, is beside yon reedy bank. A couple of flappers, or young ducks, start out from a clump of rushes, and take a short flight across the broad. Sedge birds are piping their last short songs of the day a heron trailing its long thin legs behind it has taken to wing at our approach his great awkward wings bearing him away to some quieter location on our right stretches a patch of water lilies their large flat leaves covering thickly the surface of the water there are the great open flowers white as the snows of winter lifting their beautiful heads above them here in the glorious morning sunshine in mazy flight dance and coquette many an insect whilst blue metallic carnivorous dragonflies take erratic flights amongst them and the swallows dash hither and thither great cautious roach prowl below in search of larvae the former scrupling not to make a snatch at some insect momentarily resting upon the water coots and moorhens which clicked and croaked all day long in the shelter of the reeds and sedges are mustering their chicks around them and venturing out into the open water starlings are settling in the reeds for their nights napping what a murmur as of the sea their wings make among the reed stems as our oar accidentally sweeps through the outside edge. The first broods of the sand martins will soon drop in and share their strange roosting places with them. Reed warblers are singing all over the broad, and a sedge warbler here and there joins in with a louder melody. Overhead. The nocturnal bat shows his frettering wings dimly against the waning light. The cockchafers, for which he seeks in droning flight, are out on their nocturnal rambles. The barn owl and the field-mouse, on which he preys, are afield together. The crake of the landrail becomes familiar. The stars twinkle out one by one and the moon peers from behind the riven clouds whose edges she has been tinging with silver a slight breeze rustles soothingly through the reeds and sedges fanning our cheeks with its cool breath as it passes by us we have been watching many of these changes from the stern sheets of our artist friend's houseboat the dinghy is moored astern of us meanwhile he has been lighting a fire and preparing a jolly little supper to complete the evening's enjoyment. The smell of provender and the refreshing aroma of tea filters out into the quiet air and rouses us from our reverie, for while he has been busy, we have been left to enjoy our silent vigil. What a proper spread to be sure, and what a knobby homelike cabin in which to spoil it. Let us describe our ark's interior as you enter you are obliged to stoop for the ceiling does not admit of standing on either side is a settle which runs the length of the cabin on them are soft hay cushions by day they are loungers at night they serve as beds and mattresses the foundation of all is a great old fishing smacks boat more knocked about than worn out on the rough north sea a bit of timber strengthened here and there and she answered famously beneath the settles are a number of lockers in which various household utensils find storage a stove faces you as you enter from the stern sheets upon its magic bosom our friend works wonders in the line of cooking the cabin is double boarded and snug cupboards fill up the corners of it and within them are stowed the crocks and some other essentials for use and comfort a swing lamp and ditto table a tiny clock and an aneroid barometer form the articles in suspension to which may be added a fishing rod and a fowling piece for use when legitimate occasion offers the grainer and painter have added much to the general appearance supper over and such a supper and appetite to boot for the broadland air is provocative of the latter we turn in and wrapping our austrian blankets around us sleep as only tired folk at peace with god and all men can do but it is late ere oblivion enshrouds us for pleasant gossip goes on until speech becomes incoherent and nature gives in altogether we are not without floating neighbours astern of us lie moored a couple of small yachts covered by canvas awnings Beneath them are sleeping two parties of lusty young students who are doing the Broads in quest of health and pleasure after months of wearying toil and study, such as a summer's night spent in Broadland. We wake an hour or so after midnight and steal out to take a peep at what is going on around us skylarks are already welcoming the dawn of the peaceful sabbath one is actually aloft but it is yet too dark to discern him the moon is hidden again but the stars are yet glistening in the firmament their reflex making the waters look cold and silvery gradually the dawn steals over the face of nature the small birds are waking and the bats are still flitting as if loath to turn the night into day the crowing of cocks sounds afar and near and the snoring of our artist friend inside sounds nearer and louder black-headed buntings are turning their morning songs and the twitter of the swallows announces their search for an early breakfast by three o'clock the stars have become dim, and the blue sky above is streaked with purple and crimson. In bunches, the starlings are quitting the reed bed, and the quiet waters, in which the big brown pokers of the bulrushes are reflected, become agitated with concentric rings as the large fish rise at the flies upon the surface. The cry of the red shank and the harsher note of the heron are heard as they change their feeding quarters. The trained ear of the naturalist distinguishes other bird cries. The monotonous ding-dong of the bells in the village belfry is summoning man to worship his creator. The quiet of the country on the morning of the Sabbath is delightful. Clad in their best apparel, rustics old and young are wending their way towards the sanctuary round the porch of the old grey church stand and gossip many of the simple villages politics and agriculture and the troubles and doings of each and his neighbours come in for a share of harmless discussion until the parson makes his appearance when hard horny hands make clumsy salutations and they follow the good man inside. Bewitching strains of organ and boyish voices, mellowed by the obstructive walls and windows, fall on our ears and awaken hallowed feelings as we leave the man of God to lure to brighter worlds and lead the way. Hearken to those familiar words hark hark my soul angelic songs are swelling o'er earth's green fields and ocean's wave beat shore. how sweet the truth those blessed strains are telling of that new life where sin shall be no more angels of jesus angels of light singing to welcome the pilgrims of the night Oh, how these beautiful words, as the verses go on, touch our hearts. A tear steals down our artist friend's cheek. Surely the words and these sweet voices are recalling sunny and mayhap sad memories. That old hymn has touched a very tender spot in his noble soul. We link our arm in his and stand silently beside him. We care not to break in upon holy thoughts and emotions by conversation. Presently we find ourselves inside the house of God. Our artist friend has some letters to write in the afternoon, hence, we pull to the village stave alone, bent upon attending service at the Ranters Chapel, as such places are yet occasionally called in our remoter hamlets tis over yinder by that big old elm-tree folly your face down yon loke then turn at the bottom and you will find it close against the village smithy so directs us a towsel headed urchin with a hedge sparrow's nest in his sunday cap and a cane suggestive rent down the leg of his breeks sounds of lusty singing from a cottage-like building with martin's nest stuck in its windows are sufficient to denote the purpose for which it was erected hark the gospel news is sounding grace for all is rich and free reassuring us that the primitives unmistakably worship there we are ushered into a pew as plain as was ever put together by nails and hammer most of the seats are occupied sons of toil and their wives and kindred earnestly worship their maker in song song that stirs the heart rather than softens it that makes the soul feel strong and aggressive and that refreshes it a shuffling of feet upon the sandy floor follows the finishing of the hymn red handkerchiefs dot the hard cold pamets and sturdy knees bow humbly before him who readeth the hearts of all men an aged brother bent with the weight of years who occupies the tub of a pulpit pours out his prayer before him his stentorian voice is drowned at times by the louder responses of those below everyone save some fidgety youngsters in a corner appears profoundly devout, one of these is brought to his senses by a box on the ears administered by one whose duty seems to be to preserve order. The urchin evidently has been expecting this for he takes it as a matter of course and winks an adjournment at his companions until Farmer Giles has settled for his usual nap. on friend in the pulpit apologises for the non-appearance of the local appointed for conducting the day's services and takes them over himself rather than let the time pass unimproved his explanatory reading of the parable of the sower a favourite one of his and one which he has given them more than once before meets with general approval one and another good brother putting in an idea which considerably enlivens the proceedings his remarks are practical as well as pungent more hearty singing follows then comes the text friends he says shutting the open bible with a bang ye'll find it in the Dan'l chapter 5 part of the 22nd verse my god hath sent his angel and hath shet the lion's mouths adding and ha kivered up their teeth as a supplementary text of his own here the trial of Dan'l is graphically detailed interspersed with many original ideas and no end of quaint norfolk jargon evidently our friend reads his newspaper for your rustic has learned to think for himself even the aged are behind the village times plod on in the wake of more eager steps of the rising generation he like many another rural dissenter while showing proper deference and respect to the squire and parson has long enjoyed the benefit of his theological convictions and whilst there is nothing of the socialist in his creed he loves and advocates freedom of thought and believes in the equality of all men, at least before him who created them. But to the sermon, here is the gist of it. Dan'l were put in the weary topmost bough of the social tree, because he was reckoned the wery best man to hold hisself on it. He were teetotal, as every Christian should be. A man as were sich kept a clear head and could run a straighter furrow than him has got fuddled at the king's arms or the rising sun and the king didn't go about with his eyes shut then jealousy like a bed of nettles crops up and makes it warm for poor old Dan'l. what don't folks do when jealousy's got fairly rooted then that paper what they got the king to put his name to what fools folks make o theirselves when they sign anything athwart proper thought and consideration them lions were kept to claw up folks as we keep rope to hang them as had done crimes too awful for em to remain on the earth. the martyrs knowed summer about lions did Dan'l give up praying not he. He didn't put off his prayers till he got a twin the blankets and then slept on em. He weren't afraid to join in the prayer meeting for fear folks should hear him. He opened his window. Some on us would have banged at two and drawed the blind. Dan'l didn't. Then they tiptoed under the window and heared him. All right, says they. Dan'l, we've got ye. Darius done his best for him, and didn't think no more o' the tattlers for their spite and tell They'd hear Dan'l, and there weren't any breaking o' the law of the meads and Prussians. Why didn't Dan'l be careful? Couldn't God hear a whisper? Of course he can, but that weren't it? It were stickin' to principle darius whispered in his ear words of good cheer i reckon them fellows got the keepers to forget them lion suppers a day or two aforehand in they popped him how them big men stared when them ravenous beasts felt a lickin' instead of eatin' dan'l god sent his angel if dan'l prayed upstairs i reckon he didn't give up now Darius had a rough night on it a guilty conscience were and sleepin on a heap o sheep hurdles or under a harrer he was a early riser next mornin and comin to the grating whined out dan'l are you there or are you eatin up dan'l said all right guv'nor i'm all serene god has sent his angel and friends ain't god shut the lions mouths for you for many a time a chorus of answers in the affirmative follows the question if the lions only eat dan'l says the king you must out with him so dan'l were hauled out all right and ready for his breakfast but the wuss were yet to come his enemies were hauled in and made breakfast for them starvin' lions and friends ain't it true that the sins of the fathers is wizarded on the little uns ah friends i allers pities the innocent little uns and note you them as dig traps for others generally fall in theirselves i once knowed a keeper Put a shot into a fox as were about to spring on a hare had he not been arter the hare he'd not a been shot most likely our parson's lessons drawn from the narrative are first it ain't Allah's aisy work to sarve god second if we want to be good and prosperous in this world and the next we must be prying people third it is allah's best to take our troubles and our cares to god for he'll send his angel to shut the lions mouths another night on the broads an early row round and a dip in the cool fresh waters and away are we hurried in the rumbling train to the worries and bustles and responsibilities of the day world End of chapter 7